Hey y'all, welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Simmons Podcast Part 1 here on the Saturday, June 18th, 2022 edition here on the podcast where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, jam-packed three-part show again on today's edition of the program. Uh, kick things off, we got late kicks, Josh Pate, oh yeah, late kick live with Josh Pate over there at 247, a fantastic uh, a fantastic college football podcast and YouTube show that you should go check out if you have not already done so. But if you're listening to this, you're probably already a fan of Josh and uh, his great college football coverage over at Late Kick. So there you go. Go check it out if you've not already done so. But uh, you guessed it. We talked all things college football. We talked about his career, storm chasing. We talked about fall weddings, um, some SEC stuff, uh, Tennessee a little bit, um, the Tennessee Ole Miss game he was in the building for. Um, all kinds of good stuff uh, with Josh. So I appreciate Josh making the time here on uh, part one here on the Chase Most Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. And uh, you should go check out all of our great shows all across bluewirepods.com. Uh, Long Shot with Duncan Robinson, uh, Green Light with Chris Long. We've got Insight with Chris Van Vliet. Um, all kinds of great programs all across blue wire pods uh don't forget you can read me sports renaissance man.substack.com sports renaissance man that's me sports renaissance man.substack.com tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer uh go subscribe and uh like the youtube page oh yeah we're on youtube as well uh type in the chase thomas podcast you'll find us there youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe all that good stuff Tons of video content over on the YouTube page. Email the program at chasemuspodcast at gmail.com. I think that is it. Part one with Josh Pate of Late Kick coming up in just one second. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this early, early. I only get up super early to record podcasts before before noon when the juices are really flowing. Before I've had several cups of coffee uh, for only a handful of folks. And Josh Pate of Two Four Seven Sports is one of those people. Josh, good morning, sir. How are you? I've been through two of these already, so that is a that's a lifestyle over here, man. I conversely mm. got in bed before eleven o'clock last night, so I'm ready to go. See, I can't do that. I I would love to be that person. My fiance is that kind of person. I have just always been a night owl. That's just how I've always been. I can't I can't do it. I've tried it, and I'll I remember how frustrated I would be when I would uh, I would find a way to go to sleep at like eleven, ten thirty, and then I would get up at six, and I I would feel horrible. Where like my body is like, even though I get more sleep, generally speaking, than if I do uh, being a night owl, I, my body just is like, no, your uh, circadian, what is it, circadian rhythm, uh, it's just not about it. So it's just, uh, it's not a thing for me, unfortunately. Well, I'm not saying I don't feel terrible, but I am just saying <laughs> I'm awake. That's as, that's as much as I'll give you right now. Well, you're going to be awake for a couple more days, but you're, so we both on this, I mean, on this podcast and late kick, we both prioritize our physical well-being and our, our mental health, physical health. But one of the things you've been doing this week, Josh, um, that I cannot subscribe to, um, as someone who ran around the University of Tennessee campus following our loss on Sunday afternoon against Notre Dame to run out some frustrations, um, I almost died doing the hills. I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Tennessee and East Tennessee and Knoxville, there's some mountains and there's some hills when you're running around Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And this heat wave, 
I was a mile and a half in and I checked my heart rate and I checked where we were at and I was like, nope, this is this is too much. I've reached the pinnacle where I'm like, I, I'm not going to risk it. I'm, I'm not going to do this. And Josh Pate, folks, is out here middle of the afternoon, 100 degrees, just running and he's wondering, where are all the runners? Why is it just me at this park? Why am I running by myself? It's because I don't understand how you're doing that, Josh. Can you explain yourself? Yeah, or 247 it's, it's, Sports reporters and our 247 Sports producers like, Josh, we need you for the show. You can't be doing this. We can't. Uh, we, we need you around. Yeah, they're at work, actually. So so <laughs> they don't they don't have the opportunity to join. No, this is not a 24-7 endeavor. This is strictly a late kick endeavor. But yeah. I I am going to get it in at some point. So mm-hmm. I figure I'll add the challenge of doing it in heat. I mean, we're going to have 100 plus degree heat every day next week. So catch me out mm-hmm. there again, I guess. What are you doing? Like, how many miles are you doing in this heat right now? Oh, I don't run for distance. I hate. I actually hate cardio. But what? So what I'll do is I'll just run hills. I'll run short interval stuff. Okay. Hmm. I'm a I'm a big distance runner. So I mean, I ran last night late, and uh, that was okay. It was it was all right. But I need my runs, man. Get to the endorphin release. I'm I'm a I'm a cardio guy. Um, but we're not here to talk about only cardio, Josh. How is, uh, how's your summer going? How is the, the off season content machine going? Are you feeling pretty good about where you're at and what you've been able to build your shows around? Um, it's kind of weird having you on this podcast and seeing you because I mean, I watch late kick, so it's, it's like, this is, uh, just kind of weird that, uh, Josh Pate's on my podcast. So this is something that I'm not going to be listening to later, but how do you, uh, how, how has it been for you this summer? Uh, this summer has been as busy or busier than the season. This mm-hmm. is the time of year where a whole lot of the administrative stuff is going on. This is when you're making hires. Uh, in my case, this is when you may be negotiating a contract. This is when you're trying to format your upcoming season. This is when you're booking travel. You're Most importantly, for content purposes, you're checking up on contacts. You're getting actual information. We get more information, or, or I have found that I get more information in June or July than I do in September and October. Because coaches are available, they're they're mm. willing to talk a little bit more, and you're off the record. So uh, there is no um, there is no vacation time really. I don't look to mm. take it anyway. That's kind of the trade off. But it's a very busy time of year. Who who do you think you have the best feel for and coaches that you've gotten to know over the last couple of years? Oh man, um, I wouldn't single it out. I'd say I say most of them that I speak to regularly fit that description because you can tell the ones who are stonewalling you a little bit hmm. and I'm still, you know, respectful if you're willing to talk, but if it's just, if it's boilerplate stuff, if it, mm. if it feels to me like you're speaking via prepared statement, it's a waste of both of our times. Mm. And I, I've told a couple of guys that I've said, you don't need to, you don't need to pick up the phone or you don't need to call me just for the sake of thinking you're checking off a quota box. I'm mm. not going to give you better or worse coverage just because we're talking. So I mean, if you got something to say, then that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. Mm. That's that's interesting. So, what do you when when you're planning summer program and summer content? Like, how does your weekly how does your weekly planning period go? How do you what goes into planning each show? Because it's a it's a unique show. It's just you. You're not talking to anybody else. You're doing your own thing. What goes into the process of putting together each episode? Well, you're looking at SEO trends. You're looking at data and traffic trends. Um, we want to hit four pillars for everything we put on the show. We want to hit hmm. educate, entertain, enlighten, and inform. And if you don't check those boxes, it's not going on the show. So there may be a lot of things that you turn on a national broadcast and you see that wouldn't be on our show and vice versa. 
Mm. That's just philosophies. Not that they're wrong or we're right. Well, I feel we're right, hopefully. But um, that and then also making sure you're in tune with what the public actually cares about. I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of folks in our industry have made over the past year is thinking folks care about NIL and they don't. Mm. It's a big news topic, but it's not a traffic driver. Transfer portal moves our traffic six or seven to one in terms of ratio compared to NIL. And yet, hmm. what do you see most people writing about? Well, you hear most people talking about. So that is formatting your show for you rather than for the audience, which is not what we're in the business of. Unless you're running a charity or unless you're talking to a mirror, hmm. you got to format things based on what your audience wants to hear. Does that sometimes conflict with what you want to talk about? Are you still able to talk about mostly what you want to talk about? Or have you had to like put stuff aside because it's just not going to move the needle a little bit? I've had to put a couple of things aside, but by yeah. and large, you know, I, I, I came from and still live in the world that our audience lives in. Mm. Uh, I did not get pumped off a journalism school assembly line and not really care about college football, but just kind of pick it up mm. as a professional hobby. So largely what I care about overlaps with what the viewer cares about. But there are a few instances where I'll try something. It doesn't mm. click. And then I'll try it one more time and change the title, change the thumbnail. It just doesn't click. And at that point, I realize, well, I guess I'm on an island with this. I'll scrap it and just just call my dad and talk about it with him. <laughs> I mean, I'm right there with you, man. You, you're you just throwing – I mean, this is a one-man operation over here. And uh, just throw – you. it's just kind of fun to throw stuff at the dartboard and to just be like, all right, this is um, – I, I every day, what I want to talk about uh, here on this podcast is what we're going to do, and we'll see. And it's just interesting to see what uh, – uh, each day, what pops more than others, and what it, it's just, I it never ceases to amaze me on that front. Um, going forward, though, what uh, what would you like to see added to the Late Kick uh, podcast with Josh Pay? What would you like to see included in the show that's not already on it? Uh, we are probably going to overhaul the way we talk about betting. I think mm. there is so much saturation of gambling coverage in the market right now that just doing it for the sake of doing it is dumb and defeats the purpose. Mm. And so if you're coming to our show to be informed, then that means we got to do a whole lot more than just say, I'm taking Bowling Green minus three and a half, but wait and shop around. If you can get the three, that's all the better. That's, that's just it's so freshman sophomoric in relation to where the general consensus opinion on betting is and where the general understanding on betting is. So we need to get a lot sharper with that. I think that you, there's, there's some ideas we're tossing around about uh, sort of reformatting and branding week specific shows. Mm -hmm. I think I want to do a whole lot more with us going on the road and we got a couple of those coming up. So basically when you get the full resources of a CBS behind your production, mm. it, it's, it's best that you use those resources, but do them smartly. So that's what we're working on doing. Are you able to see the game the way you want to see it when you're on the field? Like, do you have to go back and watch and you're like, oh, wow, I missed a lot. Or are you able to get a good feel and see what you need to see when you're on the field for big games? I need to feel the game when I'm there. Everyone can watch the replay. You need mm -hmm. to feel it because what you're doing is you are vicariously experiencing something for people who can't be there. So right. I'm always going to watch the replay of the game anyway. And a lot of times that's validating what I thought I saw, or maybe that's giving me another perspective on what I didn't see to begin with that makes what I've witnessed a lot more make sense. But you know, the reason why I want to be on the field is twofold. The first is the experience is second to none. Mm. And I want to experience that for anyone else who can't experience it. And then secondly, I don't like being in press boxes because I 
frankly, don't relate to some of the folks in press boxes. And so that's not the environment that I want to be in. I always thought when I was a kid sitting mm. in the stands, man, I would give anything to be on the field. I never looked at the press box and said I'd give anything to be in there. It's funny because that's kind of how you start. Like, that's what I tell folks because like, I was over there on the field for Friday Night Lights, just growing up, walking the field and just uh, covering games on the sideline. Like, I never thought, oh, you know what I want to be? I want to be in the press box way above, away from just the action and where people are and the excitement. And I told, like, family members, like, oh, why don't you go in the press box? I'm like, I don't want to be in the press box. I was at every Tennessee home game, like, close, really close, pretty good seats. And I was like, this is fun. Like, me getting to lose my mind when Tennessee's up on Georgia after the first quarter. Like, raise the banner. Josh, you know it. 17 points on Georgia. Not many people can say that this past year. It's uh, it's a, it's an amazing accomplishment, we're, what we're building over here on Rocky Top. But, yeah, it's just not, not my deal. I, I have no interest in that long term. Um, who do you think you watch you watched the most the last couple of years who do you think which program do you think you have the best feel for right now good feel for arkansas okay uh, really good feel for georgia i think hmm. um pretty good feel for texas actually hmm. um, i'm really interested in utah uh also i i think penn state i, I think i feel penn state very well uh but you know is that just the pate state thing pate state awesome. penn state yeah wardrobe yeah could be mm. any of those but yeah so those are some i mean yeah. a lot of the sec programs because i grew up down here mm. i feel like i've got a pretty good grip on but um outside the sec i'd say like penn state texas those kinds of programs it's interesting you didn't say auburn there growing up in columbus and everything uh no auburn fans don't have a firm grasp on auburn <laughs> it's impossible it's like trying to nail jello to the wall no one ever knows what to expect they're a chaos team man i i'm excited to see what auburn does because i one of the things that's interesting when you talk to folks and this is optimism season, right? Like everyone's got a pretty good feeling about where their program's headed going into this fall and things are looking good. South Carolina fans are feeling, feeling great. Uh, Kentucky fans feeling great. Um, even Ole Miss, Mississippi state, like you go up and down the list and you're like, well, someone has to be bad. Like someone in this conference has to be bad. Someone has to have the season from hell. Someone has to finish last in the sec West. And I went through Auburn's history and going back to back worse in the West is not a thing that ever happens at Auburn ever. So if you operate under that assumption where it's like he bounces back and he being Brian Harson, someone's going to have to finish last. Someone else is going to have to have a really bad season. And I don't know who that is for you. When you're thinking about the SEC West, who is the most likely to finish like three and five in that division, maybe not make a bowl game and kind of have the season from hell if it's not Auburn? Well, it's clearly the two the two answers to this question are Mississippi State and Auburn. Yeah. Now, whether that happens or not, I mean, it's that's totally volatile. And I also think, you know, it's all relative. If mm. I were, you know, for example, to be in the Pac-12 or if I were to be in the ACC and I'm looking at the SEC West, you could say, well, that team finished last over there, so that means they're bad. But, I mean, I think most people who observe this sport from an analytical standpoint understand that if I picked that last place team up and dropped them in several other divisions in this sport or conferences, I don't know where they're finishing. They're not finishing last is my point. And so it's all mm -hmm. relative to the division you're playing in. And if I watch Mississippi State or if I watch Auburn um, have – one possession losses to Texas A&M, LSU, and Arkansas, and they end up finishing last, that, that doesn't tell me they're a bad team. Yeah. You know, it's reasonable from a power rating standpoint that you could be the 31st best team in the country this year and finish seventh in the SEC West. So 
is that bad? Uh, I don't I don't think so. So you're lower on Mississippi State than you are Ole Miss coming in this year. In the preseason, yeah, I would say that. Okay. Yeah, significantly lower because I've I've got hmm. Ole Miss um, before we finalize before we run the final filter. Yeah, I want to say we. I want to say when I say we, I mean our internal at twenty at not at twenty four seven with us on late kick. We've got mm. Ole Miss uh, somewhere. I think we may have them inside the top ten. That's not finalized, but I think we may have them in the top ten. We had them. We had them there the entire so above Arkansas week. then and A and M potentially. I not above a, uh, maybe maybe not above A and M. Okay, but uh, again, that's not final. They're all going to be up there. Is my point. Yeah. Uh, but they were. I had, we had Ole Miss up there the entirety of last year. Mm. And kept taking flight for it every week, and yet at the same time, when I would listen to people, uh, you know, just because the the AP ranking and our ranking was so distorted on Ole Miss, I kept explaining how my process works. I don't really mm. care about your record at all. All that all all I want to know is from a predictive standpoint, what are you most likely to do moving forward? You could have four losses for all I care. Mm. If I think that your team has suffered from bad turnover luck or injury luck, whatever the case may be, if I think you'd be favored against the rest of your schedule, I, I'm not bumping you down just because you have four losses. So with Ole Miss last year, I think we had them like fifth or sixth or something like that. Now they ended up validating it because they ended up being in the New Year's Six Bowl. But you didn't have to wait to the end of the season to think Ole Miss was pretty decent. It mm -hmm. was there if you knew how to interpret the numbers and actually observe the game instead of watch the game. Yeah, I mean – Ten win, first time uh, ever in program history. I just think it's going to be really hard. Like, they're just so volatile. Like, it would not surprise me if Ole Miss finished second in the West next year, and it also would not surprise me if they finished last. It would None, none of those scenarios would surprise me. A lot of transfer guys. Jackson Dart just might not be good. Like, there's just all kinds of stuff that uh, are in play for, for Ole Miss. They're extremely volatile. Um, were you in Tennessee for any of the games this fall? I feel like you were, right? The Ole Miss game. You were there. What, what was that like, being in the stadium for that? Uh, I was watching video of it yesterday on my phone. Actually, I I had never been on the field when people threw stuff on the field. I'd never I'd, yeah. I'd seen it on TV, but mm -hmm. I'd never experienced it. But I always knew what my strategy would be. What was and that? I was right. And the strategy is just to ignore the game, and you got to turn your back to the field, and mm -hmm. you got to face the stands because that is the only way that you can see projectiles coming your way. So I think either two or three times. I found myself in a position where I would have been hit in the back of the head or in the back somewhere yeah. with something that I got out of the way of. And so that was a pretty surreal scene. It was crazy to watch the student section be forced to leave. Not all of them did, but be forced mm -hmm. to leave as a game was going on. I found myself standing on like the 40-yard line near the middle of the field with time left on the clock because they stopped play for so long. I just kind of wandered down on the field and started talking to players and coaches. Mm -hmm. So that was a little weird. That was a little different. Who were, so were you talking on Old Miss' side or UT side? Both. It was gone. Both? And we're all just kind of intermingling out there. How? What, what was Kiffin like? Was he pretty nervous? Was he just taking it all in stride? What was that like for him? He looked like he was on the set of a movie. Uh -huh. He looked like he... He looked like what was happening was part of a, a table reading that they had done the day before. And mm -hmm. he saw it in the script. All right, this is the part where they're going to get mad and they're going to throw stuff at me. And he just... I don't think his heart rate got above 80 the entire time. Interesting. That's that's wild. I mean, he I, just that looked was... so comfortable amidst all that. He just looked totally at home. I mean, he caught a golf ball, didn't he? With his like that was something he just caught like as it was going on. Yeah, I mean, he 
he knows what he's doing. Like that was one of those games I'd circled all week where that was the one Tennessee home game I was not going to go to where I was like, this just has a bad feel. Then picking a night game for this feels bad. This is a bad idea with the amount of alcohol that will be consumed by a lot of the student section throughout the course of this day. This should be a noon kickoff. We got to get this one in and out. And uh, it did not surprise me whatsoever. Uh, But you did see the strip fumble that was reversed in person. What was that like when you saw some, uh, an albatross call like that happen in real time? Well, Mm-hmm. It um it was pretty obvious yeah. that that was not going to be forgotten, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I knew also when the game ended up playing out the way it did, yeah, the entire story was not going to be told. All people were going to see was a snapshot. So they turn mm-hmm. on the game, and they see, ooh, Tennessee fans are throwing stuff on the field. Shame on them. And it's not that you justify throwing stuff on the field, but you know, had you watched the whole game, you would understand that, a lot of that emotion started building justifiably. So the emotion, not the action, off of horrible calls. Carried all the way through the end of the bowl game at the end of the regular season. And I think that had that scene not played out at the Mm -hmm. end of the game like it did, the talking point coming out of that would have rightfully been, we've got to fix fake injuries and we've got to fix officiating in this conference. And instead, unfortunately, that kind of got swept under the rug and a lot of the blame for whatever happened that night was just borne by Tennessee fans because, yeah. well, shame on you for throwing trash on the field. And there was not a single thought given to, I wonder what made those people feel like that. Yeah. I mean, if we remove alcohol from the equation, like you said, like the, the injuries, the faking injuries, and then that reversal on the fumble was just, that was a lot. And it was, uh, it, it is what it is. But hey, progress, progress. What fan base have you learned the most about since doing the show? A&M. I'd never hmm. been to Texas A&M before... Doing the show, I had never been to College Station. I had never been at a game where Texas A&M was playing before mm-hmm. I started doing this show. And so I've been out there a few times. I've been around A&M a few more times and totally went from looking at them as cultish to mm-hmm. still looking at them as cultish. But in college football, I don't think that's a, an insult. I think it's a good thing because it just means there's a unique something. There's a unique yeah. vibe, an aura about your program. And I'm a believer that it doesn't matter what outsiders think about your program and, and quite the opposite. If there's a reputation and they're talking about you, it probably means you're doing something right. Who wants mm. to be an anonymous, like generic non-name brand program? Why would you ever want that? So Texas A&M, uh, it's an incredible fan base. The passion is what you wish you could duplicate and replicate for every fan base out there. And I think the game day environment and atmosphere and experience is crazy. I, if anything, it's underrated. I know people mm. talk about it, but I mean, I've been to all the big ones and that one measures up to every single other experience out there. Do you already have your fall calendar uh, maxed out here? Do you, do you have it ready to go? No, not even okay. close. Not even close. No, I, I do you wait. have one game circle that you know for sure. Do you know where you're going to be opening weekend? I mean, I, no, I don't. I know I'll be at Texas Bama week two. I okay. know that kind of stuff, but no, I, I normally wait until sometimes the week of games to choose okay. what we're going. Interesting. Uh, explain the storm chasing thing to me. Is that Could that be something that lures you away from college football full-time where you're like, man, you know, the storms are calling me. I got to I gotta go my I gotta go my separate ways. Or go my own way. To go through. my own way. Right. Well, no, the good news about what I do is I have perfectly structured it. Uh-huh. Well, God has structured it for me to where most of the severe weather happens outside of football season. <laughs> so, you know, I may miss a spring game. For mm. storm chasing, but it's it's pretty unlikely that I'm missing an actual fall Saturday for storm mm. chasing. But I will tell you now, 
Um, if there is something out there recreationally that mm. comes close to matching the passion I have for college football, it is atmospheric science. It is storm chasing. Has that always been a thing for you? Yes. Since I was a, a wee little JP. Yes. Always been a thing. Interesting. I, I had never seen this before and never. And I was just like, I didn't know if you were doing a bit like this was just a, a bit from Josh Pate and it's a, it's a genuine thing. You love it. Love it. I mean, there's nothing like it. I don't think that there is, I don't think there's anything more exhilarating slash terrifying. It's kind of yeah. like a roller coaster ride. All the stuff you feel, if you ever experience tornadoes in person, um, Hope not to. You can't post, post. It's it's one of those things that we we capture on camera. We've got mm -hmm. great technology in 2022, but yet even the the most high definition 4K million frame rate per second camera, I don't care what you have, cannot capture the violence and uh, the the uh, magnitude and majesty, I guess, in person of what you're witnessing. It's really incredible. It makes you feel so small, mm -hmm. but yet it also makes you feel it makes you feel a lot of things. I don't know how how to describe it in just one word. What's your favorite college football story right now? Story, mm -hmm. as in coming into this year? Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting to – oh, I think the Jimbo Saban thing is interesting. I, I think that hmm. Nick Saban's transition or latest transition that he's got to make in this world's interesting. I think Texas and Clemson are the two most fascinating programs, period, to watch in the sport this year. I mean, Clemson just in and of themselves now. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of talk. Preview magazines are going to come out. Predictions are going to come out. I'll say what I think about them. You'll say what you think. Everyone will say what they think. And yet, the thing about preview season and prediction season is you tend to get so married to what you think. Because mm. you, you say something in June because you got to fill time. And then you repeat it in July and August. And by the time they kick it off in September, you have just married yourself to something that really is not based in any reality. It's just kind of a feeling you had a few months ago that, that got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the thing about it is with Clemson, if you believe they're going to repeat and get, or get back to the ACC championship, you'll be so convinced of that by the time they play Georgia Tech in week one. Mm. Or if you don't believe that they're going to make it, you'll be so convinced of that. And the point is, the first quarter against Georgia Tech has more information in it than the past four months or five months does. No magazine yeah. tops that. Like, that's actual football. And so what I'm saying is, if you believe that Clemson is going to resurrect themselves this year and they'll be right back in the hunt and it's it's nine to six at halftime against georgia tech think about how much that turns your world upside down and, and you sit there and i we've all done it before mm. i did it with north carolina last year like i thought north carolina was going to be a legitimate team in the acc and i'm sitting in a hotel room in charlotte north carolina on a friday night and i'm watching them go down to virginia tech and it just makes you feel like you're so stupid and it mm. makes you feel like man my entire I think about how much time I spent talking about this team and now look at them. That is what football does to predictions and previews. Yeah. That was kind of how I was with Penn state last year with Kane and Clifford and company where I didn't, I wasn't an Ohio state defense believer. And I was just like, if it's going to be any year for Penn state, this is a good year for it. And uh, I just kept, it was frustrating. That was a really frustrating program. That Wisconsin game was wild. Um, fall weddings, uh, Josh. So this hit me really really hard uh i i'm having a fall wedding this fall um fiance and i are doing it this fall but it's gonna be on a sunday it looks like but oh that's TBD. fine then. yeah see it's gonna be like see there you go but it's also a tennessee it, it's either gonna be a tennessee bye weekend or it's going to be tennessee ut martin uh weekend but 
How like is that uh, that that was I had buddies who sent me your thing on uh fall weddings. So that's real. Like that whole thing happened and you're like this is a big thing for you. Look at my hands right now. Look how mm. look how nervous the energy gets when you even talk about this topic. Yeah, it's yeah. real. It's absolutely real. I've dealt with this before with family members. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is very real. And I'm you know, it's it's one of those things where if some if if you don't care about the person, you just no show the wedding and it's not a big yeah. deal. But if it's someone that is a friend or you've known a long time and they have the audacity to send you a fall Saturday wedding invitation, mm. you look at it and you say, Should I feel guilty? They just made their decision. Why should I feel guilty for making my decision? These people know me. These mm. people know what my priorities are. Look, I just think that there is this misconception in our mm. society that it's not nice or it's wrong ethically or morally to think that your personal time on Saturday, one of the 12 that you get per year is mm -hmm. more important than someone's wedding, not their marriage, their wedding. A wedding is not a marriage because mm -hmm. we well, can go to the courthouse tomorrow or you could book a venue for a million dollars. The wedding is the wedding. I don't mm -hmm. really care about weddings. I'm just being perfectly honest with you. I don't care about them. Yeah. And so I do care about Saturdays in the fall. I only get 12 <laughs> of them. And Unless you are eloping or unless you're, you're doing what you're doing, having a Sunday or a Friday yeah. wedding, yeah, don't do it on <laughs> fall Saturday. Just don't do it. It's just not it's not good for anyone. You don't know it, but it's not even good for you. I mean, I it's one of those things where she's like, I cannot believe we're plan. Uh, I'm having to plan a, a wedding around Tennessee's football season in Georgia because I have a lot of uh, folks back in back home in Georgia. So I was like, I mean, that's just how it is. Like, we have to keep that in mind. Like, I'm. Do you want my mind on the wedding or do you want my mind on Tennessee, Alabama? If both are undefeated going into it's it. It's not just that she I, yeah. look, I, I, I don't know her personally, but I'm mm. just saying, Great I woman. don't think she, I don't think she fully understands how much street cred she is gaining from mm. endorsing this because people, they won't say it to her face. But if she were to force on with this idea of a Saturday wedding, mm. um, they wouldn't say it to her, but they would resent her for it. Whereas oh, wow. now they are going to love her for it. And so in the long run, it'll just be, it won't be a joke that's told around you 10 years from now. <laughs> it won't be, it won't be something that she has to deal with forever. She will be spoke about and her name will be mentioned with a positive connotation instead of a negative. And that's, that's all we can ask for in life. I mean, there's, there was no hope for me as a sports guy. Uh, once my father revealed to me on uh, my parents' wedding night that my dad requested they add a TV to the hotel room because he wanted to watch, um, I forgot who it was, uh, which college football game it was, but it was one of them at that night. He went and requested a TV be added to their hotel room so that he could watch it. It just means more down here, Josh. Yeah, and it should. Yeah. Uh, last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Um, what is the hardest thing about doing late kick i've always wondered this for you like what would you say is the hardest thing about doing this show it is very hard to command people's attention solo for an extended period of time when you are not elementally produced and what i mean by that is there's no script there's no teleprompter mm. there's no anything like that um so you have no is, script you have no notes or anything like you go no. in you're like the, okay yeah no even the ad reads we we don't script them we just we just yeah. do it um, ha having said that, it's, it feels easy to me. So if you find something that is second nature to you, something you're natural at, do it. It means you've been given a, a gift or maybe you have a little bit of talent and ability to do that thing. Mm. But I know how hard it is because I've tried to train people on this and, and I've tried to, 
I try to instill in them, not, not my style or anything like that, but just little tips and tricks of the trade and, and ways to execute on air in a more ad-libbed monologue style fashion, whatever you want to call it. And the other thing about it is, and this, this, is, ta- this is what takes time, mm-hmm. developing the ability solo to talk with an audience instead of talking at them. Because you're doing the same thing. If I were to say the sentence, Chase, I think Tennessee's going to go 10 and 2 this year. Or I say, Chase, I, you know, I think ten, they may go 10 and 2 this year. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, last year, we were kind of close to it. And this year, mm. I think if we get a couple more bounces of the ball, I don't know what you think, but like, I think 10 and 2. I talked with you the second time, I talked right. at you the first time. And I said the same thing both times. So that takes a little time. But mm. after, after you can get that, uh, it just it just rolls. It just flows. And it, look, we're not talking about molecular biology. We're talking about something we're passionate about anyway. So I would be talking about this anyway. I might as well get paid a few dollars to do it. There you go. Uh, I lied. You brought up Tennessee in 10 and 2. What do you actually think happens this fall? What do you think the record is? I think it's fair to want nine wins. I think that's fair. Eight, eight, eight wins, nine wins, like in that range. I think that's more than fair. Um, I think we did a reasonable expectation segment the other night on Tennessee. Mm. And it was like that eight to nine win range. I think that's fair. It's it's reasonable to expect that. It scares me. I don't know, because I'm just not a progress is linear kind of person where my gut tells me this Tennessee team could be better on the field and have a worse record than people think. Um, and I'm not sure if that will translate. I mean... It's still all all positive. We'll see what happens on Carnell Tate watch here. Um, so we'll we'll see over the next couple days. Nico's still locked in and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Uh, what if Hooker gets hurt? Like he he was battered a lot last year. Like he's he's having to move around. He's having to do a lot. Um, I don't. I'm a little nervous about the running back depth. A little nervous about the pass rush depth. Like everything revolves around Barron and Young, and those dudes are going to have to be on the field a lot. And the secondary is a huge red flag right now. Like I, I have questions about how much we'll be able to stop uh, people throughout the course of the season, but I think we'll know pretty early, like being in the building. Are you playing? Do you think you'll be at Tennessee, Florida? Cause that game, if we're both undefeated coming into Florida beats Utah. And I think they are a favorite. They opened as a favorite against Utah. Um, that's just the, the, the uncomfortability among every Tennessee fan in that building for Tennessee, Florida, if both of us are undefeated. Like, if you're not beating Florida this year, I don't know when Tennessee's getting over that hump and changing the narrative on that. If there's ever going to be a year, it's this year at home, and it scares the crap. We'll know where Tennessee's going after the Pitt and Florida game early on, I think. I agree. It won't take long. Those two games, first month of the season, tells a lot of the tale. Man, I'm nervous. Well, I'm ready for football season, though. I'm ready for football season. Uh, Josh, thank you so much. We can go check you out on 247 YouTube. Uh, just type in Late Kick. You can get the Late Kick cuts where you have the, the, the mini segments on the YouTube page. You can watch the full stream, all of that over there at 247 Sports. Follow you at Late Kick. Josh, anything else you would like to plug as we wrap up here today? That's it, baby. Less than 80 week, or less than 80 days to go. There you go. There you go. Josh, thank you so much for making the time. I greatly appreciate it. We'll have to check back in again soon. All right, that'll do it for part one here on the Chase Wellness Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, if you enjoyed uh, today's episode, part one here on the Saturday, June 18th edition of the podcast, please make sure you uh, leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is indeed how you tuned into the program today. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, thank you again to Josh for making the time uh, to come on the podcast this week. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Go follow him and keep up with all of his great work all across Lake Kick and two. Four, seven sports um 
part two, part three coming up in just one second. We got uh, Go Big Orange Friday with Ryan Shumpert coming up uh, after this of Rocky Top Insider. But uh, yeah, thank you as always. Email the program, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.